Hello there, and welcome to Women of Grit, a podcast that holds space for women to have authentic conversations about our intersectional challenges and where we elevate women's voices, celebrate their strengths, and honor their resilience. I'm your host, Dr. Ann, the Gritpreneur and Woman of Grit. Come on in. We saved a seat at the table for you. Today's guest is Susan Gold, an author, consultant, and coach who overcame a difficult upbringing and now helps others transform their trauma into peace. Her book, Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom, shares her personal journey of abuse and addiction. Susan is also a successful producer with a history of attaching celebrity talent to projects. She is a decorated endurance athlete and currently resides in Montana. Susan is now leading retreats and workshops to help others live in authentic freedom as adults. So I'll dive right in and welcome Susan Gold to Women of Grit. Hi, Susan. How are you? Hey, Dr. Ann, I'm great, and I'm so happy to be here, and I love your title. How did you come up with Women of Grit? Women of Grit. Look who's interviewing me now. Women of Grit. Literally, I lost my grit in a toxic relationship. I literally lost my passion, my perseverance for my long-term goals. I was stuck. I was stagnant. And grit you know, defined as defined by Angela Lee Duckworth, American psychologist, is passion and perseverance for your meaningful long-term goals despite obstacles and setbacks. But GRIT is also an acronym for a framework I developed to help other women find their voice, reclaim their power, and transform their lives. So the G is for growth mindset, but it's also for giving yourself grace. The R is for restraints, or self-mastery, mastery over your emotions, the I for introspection or self-reflection, and the C is for the transformation that happens. So that's it. So we're going to dive right in. And thank you for asking me. You're the first person who's ever asked me that question. So I think we've broken the ice. So we're going to go right ahead and move on with the podcast. So I'm going to ask you my signature question. I always preface that There is no right answer. Some people freak out about it. Nope. I think at some point I'll go ahead and look back at all the episodes. I asked that question and I'm going to see how many people chose one and how many the other. It's not anything that serious. But if you had to choose between passion and perseverance, which would you choose and why? It's a really difficult choice, but I'd have to say perseverance because it served me so well and it's delivered so many miracles. You know what? Short and to the point, and I like it. So describe a moment when you allowed your intuition to lead you. I'm pretty sure there are many moments, but just one that jumps to mind. I was trying to make my husband accountable. He had a little bit of issue in the financial arena with integrity. And we were at the final negotiation point and mediation, trying to keep our marriage together. 
And I thought we were going to agree and our marriage was saved. Um, but he folded his arms and his eyes went in those cold lizard-like slits. And he said, I'm hiring an attorney and I'm filing for divorce. And that intuitive voice that came from over my right shoulder, and it was clear as a bell, crystal clear. And it said, this is the universe doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. Wow. So um, I guess you listened to that voice. I'm so grateful to say I did. I didn't want to, but I knew that my marriage was way beyond the expiration date. And so, yes, I walked through fire, um, but I listened and I'm I'm grateful I did. My I consider my ex-husband one of my greatest gurus. And he really yes. taught me. He taught me self-love and he taught me incredible compassion and he taught me authentic power. You know, it's so bizarre that you use the exact words I use in my book, Woman of Grit, how to find your voice, reclaim your power and transform your life. I use the exact same words in that book. I said my marriage was way past its expiration dates. So that gave me a little bit of chills there. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you for being vulnerable. So how did your own childhood experiences help to shape Susan Gold that you are today? Well, there were a lot of, of negatives <laughs> that it gave me, like codependency, wanting to please, low self-esteem, sense of low value and worth. But it also gave me a sense of independence, mm -hmm. stepping up, taking risks, um, dreaming big, um, and believing a sense of incredible faith. You know, I think more of life right now. So thank you for that um, answer. I think of life now more as you have your successes, and then you have the lessons. And some people are lessons, some experiences are lessons. So you I, I consider it it's a failure when you don't learn something from it. So we've all had experiences in life where it wasn't a success. However, we learned something from it. And you touched on that with the very first question in terms of you learned a lot. Your ex was your was a guru because you learned a lot from him. So thank you for that. I did a podcast episode during our very first season, we're in season two right now, about the red flags that narcissists throw, because I thought it was a really, really important topic. I had experience dealing with a narcissist. And the bizarre thing is, I did not recognize what it was at the time it was happening. It was after I left and I started really trying to grow as a person, re- cover some of that person I had been, that when I read about narcissistic abuse, I was shaking my head like, wow, wow. You know, I didn't recognize it at the time it was happening. How would you coach someone? Because I know this is an area that you delve into. How would you coach someone who is in the process of leaving a relationship where the partner is a narcissist or divorcing a narcissist? How would you coach? someone. Yeah. So it's not for the faint of heart, but 
what works is no contact or modified contact if you have children and you have to be very careful with that contact. So my, whom I believe was a narcissist, would not leave the house. He took up residence in the master bedroom. And this was a house that I bought and paid for and maintained for our family. And I landed on a mattress on the floor in a partial conversion in our garage. And that is the billboard it took to fall on my head, to wake me up to what I had been allowing. And I got help. That was absolutely a necessity. I got help, but the instruction was no contact. And it was brutal to hold no contact in the same structure. I couldn't really call it a home as we were going through this process, but yes, and no eye contact. And being a long-term meditator and have had um, having experience on long-term silent meditation retreats, also have had having had experience as an endurance athlete mm-hmm. and training for long endurance events, really helped me get through the process of divorcing a narcissist. It was finished within a calendar year. I wrote him his six-figure check, and he could go on to his next source of supply. And I no longer allowed my being to be a source of supply to him. So I continued to respond only in writing. I think, Dr. Ann, it was the same four sentences I would use. I would not engage when baited. And I got, I continued to get support. And I have to say, it must have worked because my uncle, who my ex-husband turned against me, is my only uncle on the West Coast, uh, only only uncle alive, actually. Um, He said to his own daughter, who went through a divorce about a year later, do what Susan did, whatever she did, work. Wow. You know, I cannot even imagine being in the same Base because wow, you know, I, I can't I can't even imagine. I was fortunate. I left everything, came back from a business trip, and I was gone with my kid. And it was difficult. It was difficult. I, I was on medication. I would have panic attacks just communicating. And eventually things kind of settled down, but I obviously had not read the second volume of dealing with a narcissist and no contact because I suddenly realized gaslighting was still going on even when I was there. and I finally made that decision to do a no contact my kid had a phone you can reach him directly to the phone you don't need to call me and I have had more since I did that so I cannot even imagine your circumstances literally being forced to remain in the same domicile. You know, I can't even imagine, but I am glad you were able to buy your freedom. <laughs> I mean, literally. And for the listeners who who don't know about narcissistic abuse, narcissism, when Susan talked about supply, she was referring to narcissistic supply. What narcissists thrive off of your attention, whether it's negative or positive, your energy, 
they suck it up. And so when we talk about narcissist supply, we're talking about narcissistic supply because narcissists pretty much are empty people, hollow shells. And so they suck energy, external energy from other people, whether it's positive energy or negative energy, any energy will do. It's like a car that doesn't make a distinction between um, 93 octane, 91 octane, 89 octane, they'll take anything. So moving along, in your book, Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom, you share your personal story of abuse, addiction, narcissistic abuse, and most importantly, you write about overcoming the negative effects of a dysfunctional family. What inspired you to write this book? Obviously, all these things I just mentioned are reason enough to write a book, but sometimes many people who have gone through this don't write a book. What inspired you to write this book? Wow, Dr. Ann, to be honest, an Irish seer in 2007 said, you have a book to write. And I just, I thought, oh, I'm not going through that agony for a PR tool. And I, I didn't think my story was was that unique or or enough to really be shared. And then I had two intuitives back to back in 2019 say the same. This The third one said, you have three books to write. So I thought, okay, well, I got to plug the dike before I have to write a whole library. But I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give it a whack. Maybe I do have something to share. And um, I was a bit of a bulldog. Um, my experience as a television producer <laughs> came in handy, but it wasn't exactly emotionally self-serving. I sat at the computer for 15 minutes a day, whether I had something to write or not. And it was a way to come up with a first pass at a manuscript. Right. And then a dear friend said, you know, why don't you go back through and just write it from little Susie's point of view, that little sweet one inside your heart that's experienced all that. And so I did. And I have to say the manuscript didn't change that much, but my connection to it did. And my respect for my journey and all I had walked through just became a beautiful brocade fabric. And then I realized there were a lot of mentors, a lot of teachers, a lot of exercises I had been uh, privy to had worked right. through that were really helpful. So I decided in the appendix, I'd make a little workbook. And it's really lovely because now mm -hmm. it's experiential. You know, people are going through the workbook and saying, right. your story was riveting, but it became my own when right. I was able to do exercise three. Nice. Excellent. So intuitive is what I get, you know, um, writing one of three books you owe the universe. How many have you done so far? I, I The publishing of Toxic Family was the very first book. And yeah, maybe you're going to hold me to it, Dr. Anne. I was hoping I could squirm by just with this one, but we'll see. <laughs> no, you owe the universe two more. You owe the universe two more. So, okay, just reminding you. How has your personal journey of overcoming a traumatic past informed your approach to your coaching, to helping others? Well, just experiencing all I have, and I'm highly empathic. I really comprehend and, and to my core, genuinely understand the walk that we go through as humans on the planet. And that compassion leads to connection 
And also a level of trust, right? Because mm-hmm. we speak the same language as right. survivors and now thrivers. You know, I heard something. Um, I can't remember her name. I it was an episode of the Mel Robbins podcast. She had a guest. I can't remember the guest name. Maybe I'll just take the name and put it where I can see it because she comes up quite frequently in my podcast uh, conversations. She was the CEO and founder of a company, It's Cosmetics. She had really bad rosacea. She was also a newscaster. And one day while doing the news, literally her makeup that was not appropriate for her skin started melting and sliding off her face and her rosacea started showing, you know, it's a skin condition that you you get really red, red in blood vessels around your face. And she was mortified. And that inspired her to create a line for people like her where there hadn't been any before. So what she said is your purpose for her, her purpose was serving the woman that she was. So for her that, you know, she knows she's in her purpose when she is serving that woman she once was, when she's helping, she's that person that she needed when she was going through her trauma. So definitely, um, when you come from a place of experience, it does give you a different perspective. And I was going to touch on the, what you said about being an empath. And I'm really not surprised that you are an empath because at one time I used to think, oh my gosh, I attract narcissists. But I have turned that around and I consider myself an empath too. And narcissists are attracted to our light. Narcissists are attracted to empaths. We have so much to give and they're bottomless. It's, they just take, 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 take. And so I, I just thought, you know, when you mentioned about being an empath, um, narcissists see that energy and they, it's attractive to them. So what are your thoughts on how deeply ingrained societal norms, expectations, and the patriarchy impacted, I'm going to say our, as women, our ability to heal from childhood trauma. Yeah, I think up until this point, it's been more difficult because it's been the accepted that the woman's supposed to be the caretaker. And then we had ladled upon us, oh, and you're also supposed to be the breadwinner as you're raising the children and rushing home to create the meals. Oh, and by the way, you're going to be carrying the mortgage. So it's like double duty and it just serves to drain us completely. And then you're not enough and you can't measure up and youth is all that's valued and you're valued less unless you're the size of a toothpick. So all of that, all of that, I had to work through that programming, teasing it out a piece at a time through various modalities, just basically understand I could step out of that matrix, stand up to it and say, no, thank you. I am a human being. I'm walking one step at a time and I deserve love. I deserve compassion. I deserve kindness. And I deserve to radiate that to others as true. Thank you for that answer. You know, when I 
talk about the childhood trauma, but I also talk about even ending a relationship that is way past its expiration date. Societal norms keep us, expectations keep us in these relationships and these situations longer than we need to be in them. So definitely these ingrained norms and expectations and the patriarchy impacts not only our ability to heal from childhood trauma, but also to exit these toxic relationships that no longer serve us as adults. If you're listening, um, I talked about her book, Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom. She has a workbook section at the back. You can start there and kind of get a feel for her. And she also has her website. Could you tell um, the, the web address for us? Yes, doctor. And I'm happy to. It's susangold.us. Okay. You heard that. How has your experience as a decorated endurance athlete influenced your approach to overcoming personal challenge? So there was a lot of focus um, when I was training for marathons or triathlons. Also, as an adult, I became a master swimmer with a goal of becoming nationally ranked, which I did within a four-year period, not having been a swimmer as a kid. So that kind of tenacity actually did serve me to help others move through difficult scenarios and myself move through traumas of my past, because I just kept saying, just one more step, just Mm -hmm. one more session, just one more mile, you can do it. And when I couldn't do it anymore, I got coaching, I got friend support, I got support around me to lift me up and help me go through. And I do that today. And I do that for others too. Thank you for that. How, how did you get into endurance? What led you down that path? Because my so brain I, is just like, what? Uh, I started running out of, um, towards the tail end of college. And then when I moved to New York City, the New York Marathon was just like a big icon. And I was like, yeah, maybe I'll try that. So I started running with a partner and then it became you know, just a focus and fun. And But then I was having so many injuries. So here was the... The thinking, oh, I'll spread it out amongst three sports and maybe that will decrease the amount of running injuries. So I did that successfully for a long while and I loved it. I mean, the, the biggest event race I did was Escape from Alcatraz and it was a dream. I mean, my, my father's mother um, had been on a tour of Alcatraz Island and mm-hmm. she came back from the Golden State. We were in Pennsylvania and she gave us this whole photo show of her Alcatraz experience and it always stuck with me. Nobody gets off the island. So I decided I'm going to take that on. I trained for a year and you go out in the in the dark of the morning on a barge and, and you get 20 yards from Alcatraz Island and they literally push you off if you don't jump off. So I was halfway back. You have to swim in a sea because of the currents. Otherwise, you'll swim right back to the island. And I was about halfway across looking back over my right shoulder at the Golden Gate Bridge going, that's kind of been fun. I'm so sorry this swim is ending. Um, And then by the time I hit the finish line, it just it felt so golden and like such a magical life moment because it was something on my bucket list. And I'm really grateful that I had that experience. But ultimately, it all led me to strip off another layer of false persona, 
false self-esteem, value, and worth. I was running myself into the ground and overtraining and training with injury and training on misalignment. And ultimately, I could not walk around my block without excruciating pain. pain. And that was a whole nother dive. It's been um, probably a seven-year odyssey, two of chronic pain. And then I finally found the formula that oh, wow. helped me recover. You know, you did mention something about three different sports. What were your sports? Running, swimming, and what was the third one? It's biking. So in biking. triathlon, yeah. Usually okay. in triathlon, it's it's swim, bike, run. The science is showing that now with our youth, especially, who are one sport athlete, they get a lot more injuries just focusing on one sport. So that's one of the things I did with my kid. I'm like, you know, if you want to play football, you're going to have to do something else. So he does uh, track, he throws, he jumps, you know, and um, he runs and then um, he does football. So definitely that the science is bearing that out, spreading, especially among youth, you know, just spreading the sports around, not just specializing too early. So in your bio, I was reading the bio on your podcast page. Um, you mentioned, of course, your pride in your son, who is a political science major at the University of the Pacific. Is he still there or he graduated? Oh, I'm just like grinning ear to ear and cavelling, as they say in New York. Um, he is, believe it or not, um, I, I just spoke with him moments before the podcast. So I said, do I call you a son? Or do I call you a junior? Because he, his athletics are his academics. And he is working his way through college um, as a poli-sci major with international studies as his minor in three years rather than wow. four. And I'm, I'm super proud of him. Proud. He's, he's very sensitive. He's very awake. And he's very kind. He's also very bright. My friends used to say, is the president in this afternoon? You know? <laughs> Oh, wow. I think it's a testament to your success as a parent. You know, people always used to ask me, what do you want your kid to be? You want him to go into medicine? I was like, I want to raise a kind human. And the universe worked with me because he is indeed a kind human. He is 11th grade going on to 12th soon. So I guess I could say the same thing. Are you a junior or are you a senior? So um, he'll be a senior soon. So talking about your son, how has being a mother influenced your work in helping others overcome their own childhood traumas? Well, the first thing, and it's, 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 it was when I was in labor waiting for him to arrive. I had a conversation with him and I said, you know, I'm going to do the best that I possibly can. And I understand you're an individual being with your own path, your own trajectory, your own desires, your own experiences. And I think that I treat others that come to me for help in the same way. They have their own path. They have their own trajectory. They have their own earthly plan. It's all a place for learning. And just because I handled an experience some way doesn't mean that they can. Not every person can hold no contact with someone who's a narcissist, whether it be their right. boss, their, their offspring, their partner. Not everybody can do it. And I stand up and walk the walk. I understand 
it's difficult. I mean, earth is rough. Yeah, absolutely. I, I am in awe that you could even do that because I had faith in between us and I struggled with, with coming to that conclusion that a no contact is what I needed. And once I did that, my mental health improved significantly. So kudos to you. I think just, you know, meditating all your experience from being an endurance athlete, what it took to get you there. It seemed like all those things prepared you the, for that for that ultimate battle that you faced in, I don't know how many square feet of the home you had to share with a narcissist. So I think the universe does prepare us for these things without us even knowing. So finally, what advice would you give to someone who is struggling with their own toxic family dynamic and looking to break free from the negative patterns of their past? So first, there's no shame in it. There's purpose. And ultimately, there's even beauty, even in the dark, mucky, yuck. It's okay to create distance. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say no, thank you. And then ultimately, allow yourself to accept your circumstance and walk through it as best you can with love for yourself and love for all your players in the movie. And trust you have a beautiful team supporting you, walking you through this process. And it's all part of being in this unbelievable, amazing, eclectic, ecstatic, beautiful world. Thank you for that. Well, that's it for today's episode of Women of Grid podcast. But before I say see you later to our guest, Susan Gold, is there anything I left out that you would like the listeners to know about you? It could be final thoughts, where to find you online. You already mentioned your websites. You could repeat it or on social media. So I just like to do something experiential. Take a breath. Take a hand, put it right on your solar plexus. That's under your breastbone, beneath your heart, right on your solar plexus. And take another breath in calmly and just say to yourself or out loud, it's okay, I'm okay. And let that golden feeling follow you, even if it's just a few minutes. Thank you. You know, that is really an incredible thing. And I will tell you why. Because I think I only shared this with my sister about two weeks ago. I had that moment in the shower where I told my childhood self. I literally did the same thing. And I said, you are safe. I got you. And it was so transformative. You know, I said, I'm here now. I'll protect you. I got you. And I was sharing that experience with her. I said, it was credible. And I hope the listeners do the same thing, just like you did with me, and they will feel the difference. So thank you for that. Anything else? Before I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you, Dr. Ann. I just, I know what it takes to produce a podcast and it takes research and it takes time and it takes expense and it takes devotion and it takes follow-up and you're bringing an incredible heartfelt message forward 
and you're bringing really helpful, beautiful information and connection for your listeners. So thank you. Thank you so, so much. That means a lot to me. Well, it's a wrap. All good things must come to an end. Take care. And until next time, thank you, Susan, for coming. So that's it for today's episode of Women of Grit. Thank you for joining us and don't miss the next episode in one week. And while you're waiting, you can catch up on previous episodes of our podcast on your favorite listening platforms, which you can access from our website, womanofgritpodcast.com. While on the website, you can learn more about today's guest and all our previous guests. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and rate the show to help us reach more listeners so we can continue bringing you these incredible stories of women who have overcome challenges with grit and determination. Thank you for your support. And until next week, remain ever gritful and never quit. It's always darkest before dawn, but light comes in the morning. Take care.